Welcome into a special edition of the Paul Kuharski podcast, post-draft. I'm Paul Kuharski of paulkuharski.com. This is a production of 440 Sports. I've mentioned my name three times, so we are allowed to move on. We're going to talk about wide receiver nonsense, the concept of rolling the dice in this draft, uh, fans moving from anger to coping mechanisms, the athleticism of this six-man draft class right here that you see me holding up if you're watching on YouTube, um, the, the amount of starts that you can expect out of this draft class, which might be as few as 17, um, and the grades this group is getting. Uh, Titans usually don't grade well uh, in media and uh, analysis sites. They're grading well here despite the fan reaction, talk about what that means. And away we go. Look, to, to me, um, and a lot of people read what I wrote and, uh, and tweeted um, during this draft about what they did not do at wide receiver, which I think, quite frankly, is, is, is criminal. This team has, uh, beyond Traylon Burks, who is a first-rounder from last year, granted, but an unproven guy who had trouble staying healthy last year. And look, at his best, he's a dynamic, threatening guy. And after that, that's it. I mean, uh, Nick Westbrook, Akina, is in line to be the number two guy. Uh, Kyle Phillips, who couldn't get healthy last year, was really good during training camp. You hope he's healthy and he can be a slot guy. Chris Moore brought in from Houston, you know, did better last year than he's done, but he's a replacement level guy. They have showed zero urgency at addressing this spot to, to bring in a playmaker uh, opposite Burks or as insurance for if Burks is hurt so that they have somebody that's dynamic and threatening for Ryan Tannehill and or Will Levis and the nonchalance with which they talk about this position is just the uh, most arrogant thing about this team right now. Colton Dowell, seventh round pick, nice looking guy from UT Martin, but he's a seventh round pick from UT Martin. And the odds that he is a starting uh, receiver opposite Traylon Burks and productive at some point during this season are low. The Titans can root for that and they can hope for that. But if they're expecting that, that's a naive plan. And they have not added anybody whom they can expect that from. And then Mike Vrabel comes out after the draft is complete. Look, free agency, main free agency, and there were not great options in, in primary free agency at wide receiver. And there generally are not, which is why it's dumb to put yourself in a position where you need a free agent wide receiver. But Chris Moore's all they did there is over. And the draft where you can acquire high quality players at receiver is over. And Mike Vrabel says, well, now we're, we're, uh, we've got some options. We're going to go out and we're going we're gonna to find a guy. We're, we, 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 there are a lot of places that we can go. And it sounds like he's talking about uh, undrafted free agents and he's talking about the waiver wire. This is what he said. I'll read it to you. We're going to continue to explore and find ways to improve our roster and make it as competitive as possible. 
So on Monday, it will be an option to, to find people to search. We felt good. For us to add a receiver, we would have had to come far off our board at those certain levels. That's what I'm happy about. You guys are going to trust us. We're going to put players in here that are going to help us win. I asked. That last part kind of goes back to the previous question. You're going to find ways to improve your roster. Free agency is over and the draft's over. Aren't those players? He cuts me off. No, free agency is not over. They're going to let us sign free agents Monday. They will. Chad will. Ran will. They will let us sign free agents on Monday. Yeah, there's a huge free agent pull on Monday, Mike. Free agency is going to go all the way up until the season starts, Vrabel said. There will be players that are on other teams that will become available Monday. Take a look. It'll be a real large waiver wire. We'll scour that. We'll continue to look for trade possibilities and opportunities. Chad Brinker and Vin Marino will help us with the salary cap, find ways to open up salaries so that we could potentially sign other players. There's been a pretty good process here. And I'm excited about it. Well, I'm glad he's excited about it. I'm glad that Mike Rabel thinks that waiver wire trash and undrafted free agents are the way the Titans are going to become legitimate passing offense uh, and the way that they're going to put somebody legitimate across from Traylon Burks and have somebody beside Traylon Burks, this miracle find that they're going to have, and Kyle Phillips. And when one of those guys gets hurt, they're going to have better than NWI and Chris Moore come on the field. Give me a break. Look, uh, for us to add a receiver, we would have had to come far off our board at those certain levels, Mike Vrabel said. That's where you trade back. And here's where we saw an inexperienced GM who didn't have what he needed fall in his lap at certain positions, and so he just played his board. Well, if there are, you know, five receivers who are good for your team, but they're not good for your value and you need receivers, well, you only have six damn picks, trade back, get an additional pick, and, and get to a spot where those receivers are a better value. I think that's an example of an inexperienced GM. You passed on unrestricted free agents, you passed on six rounds of the draft, the impact rounds, you know, one, two, three in particular. You didn't have a fourth. Um, and now you're telling us, don't worry, waiver wire trash and undrafted rookies are the place that we're going to, to beef this up. Hey, if Hunter Renfro gets cut by the Raiders and the Titans you know, win the bid there to go get Hunter Renfro and add him to their roster, I'll say congratulations. But still, if that was your big strategy, that you were going to ignore free, free agency in March, that you were going to mostly ignore the draft until the seventh round, you were going to wait to see who you could get lucky with that got cut by somebody else, which is completely out of your control. And then you were going to pray that you could out-negotiate other teams and outspend them for this anonymous guy who comes free from another team. That's not good roster-building strategy. And the old guy got fired for his roster-building. So if that's your roster-building plan at wide receiver, that's not a very good roster-building plan.
counting on luck as a primary strategy is a tough way to live at a position that clearly, if it wasn't one, was 1A or 1B with offensive line, which he did a much better job of drafting. It was just a weird vibe around, and they took almost a perverse pleasure. I don't know after they drafted in the fifth round um, and, and took Josh Wiley, the tight end, who it looks like a, a very good player. Everybody made it like when the, when the, the camera in their room turned to them and they all waved furiously like they were mocking everybody over not taking a wide receiver. I think that's very presumptuous to say that's what they were doing. We don't know what they were, you know, being hamming it up over. Um, I, you know, I tweeted that they were waving goodbye to, uh, you know, number two receiver possibilities and passing yard. And there were a lot of jokes to be inserted, but a lot of people, you know, were reporting almost that they were they were mocking everybody over not taking a wide receiver. That that's going too far in terms of what you're reporting. But there's a lot of disregard for wide receiver in this draft. Now, a, a lot of people started to cope with it in uh, in in odd ways. Um, fans were really pissed about this. On, uh, Friday night after the first round where I don't have a problem with Peter Skaronsky as, as the first pick. Uh, they really started to get pissed about it after the Will Levis trade. Um, and then after, uh, after the, the, um, the number three pick, the running back from, um, from Tulane, uh, Tajay Spears, who's a good player. Now he's got a, a interesting knee problem. You only need to get four years out of the guy, and they clearly think they can. I think it's odd for this team to be taking a guy with any kind of severe um, history. I want a starter out of my third-round pick, and this guy at the very least this year is going to be a third-down uh, and supplementary back because uh, it looks like Derrick Henry is going to be on the roster. Um, but this uh, seeming contempt – wide receiver goes crazy. So everybody's pissed about the wide receiver thing Friday, uh, Thursday, Friday into Saturday. Then uh, the anger turns into coping for some fans. Some fans are coping as it ends and as the UT Martin guy is the only guy that they draft. And so I start getting tweets. Surely they have a plan. Surely there's a trade in place for DeAndre Hopkins. Well, first off, if you have a plan in place for DeAndre Hopkins, the, the Cardinals, who got a billion picks out of this weekend, probably would have wanted to do it during during the draft. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins is expensive. DeAndre Hopkins, six of the games he's missed were um, from a suspension, but still he, he's got some parallels to Julio Jones. Um, did we not learn from Julio Jones? You want another old receiver who may be on the verge of the end and whose body may be starting to slow down and who's super expensive. The Titans are now going into their third year since they brought in Julio Jones, and they still have $8 million plus on their cap for Julio Jones. So you reach the desperation level where you want them to go get an old guy who may be right at the end again. 
I don't think that's wise. Now I, I get other texts. They're going to trade Tannehill for a receiver. Uh, no, I, I mean, let, let's get over this. Tannehill, Henry, and Bayard, who are all rumored to be on the trade block, now have less value than ever. Um, and what you were going to get for them, for the Titans, was picks were picks that you could use in this draft to uh, to help replace them as they were gone. Now, if you trade them. Those picks aren't going to help you until next year. And all of those teams that were conceivably going to trade for them, which, by the way, seems like there was zero chance of it, aren't going to rally $27 million or $10.5 million or $13-plus million to cover those base salaries or go through the pain of renegotiating uh, extension for, for two of them to get those numbers down when they've dealt with the positional thing that might have made them interested in those guys in the first place. And I talked over and over about the trade trade market for them, particularly for Tannehill and Henry being minuscule. If the Titans really wanted to deal those guys, the, the last three days, uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday was the time to do it. And we didn't hear anything about a whiff of that at all. This podcast uh, is brought to you by Jaspers. If you're watching, there's their logo right up there. Jaspers on West End, um, right on uh, the edge of downtown. Nashville's bigger than I think, so it's not on the edge of downtown. It's on West End right near um, 40. Great bar, great restaurant, free parking. Uh, you can go play pop a shot, shuffleboard, other stuff on their in their free game area, which is a lot of fun. The menu's got everything you could want on there. It's a perfect place for a business lunch or uh, go sit, listen to a podcast, get some reading done, <clears throat> get some work done, have a little private time, um, go for date night, uh, take the boys out, have a girls' night. Uh, very versatile place, just like the uh, versatile players the Titans have uh, tried to add in this draft. I can't recommend it highly enough. I appreciate uh, their sponsorship of this good cocktail menu, good beers on tap. Uh, Bolognese is, is my favorite dinner there. I like a nice big plate of food. The servings are excellent. Uh, good dessert menu. They've got a grab and go market. If, if unfortunately you can't, uh, can't pull in, and give them some time. You can uh, take some of their food home with you. Can't recommend it highly enough. Jasper's on West End near 40. Check it out. Um, one of the things the Titans did in this draft, they talked about getting faster. They got faster, but they drafted a lot of guys at a position, you know, two offensive linemen don't, don't, uh, you know, it's nice to be faster there to have tackles that can get out and lead some things in Skaronsky and in, uh, Jalen Duncan. Um, <clears throat> you know, I've got in Wiley, a, a, a pretty fast tight end. I don't know that Spears is, uh, speed is his number one thing, but this guy's got some, some major jukeability. Colton Dowell certainly, uh, can run though. We're getting the 40 time, um, <clears throat> from him. Uh, but they got athletic, certainly. This relative athletic score is, is something we've been looking at more closely, and it's the biggest indication that the Titans are applying some kind of analytical uh, measure to what they're doing 
in terms of um, players. So it's on a scale of 10. Skaronsky is a 9.3. Levis uh, didn't, didn't factor in here. Spears, the low man at 7.51. Wiley, 8.98. Duncan, 901, and Dowell, 978. Those are very high numbers. Um, and, and this is a trend. The free agents they brought in scored well on this scale. Um, so <clears throat> the Titans are becoming under Rand Carthon uh, and, and in his partnership with um, Mike Vrabel, a more athletic team. And I don't see how you find fault with that. So that's a thumbs up thing here. And I want to say, you know, I hate what they didn't do at wide receiver. And I hate the fact that probably you're getting 17 guaranteed starts if Peter Skoransky stays healthy here. I put him at left tackle on the, on the depth charts that I did coming out of the draft. Michael Bruce had shorter arms than Skaronsky, and he had a great career at left tackle after playing one season at right tackle while Brad Hopkins was still around. Um, but whether he's tackle or guard, he should start every game this year and be a starter right from the start. After that, though, <clears throat> you know, if and when Levis gets in the lineup is, is a big question. It has a lot to do with how Ryan Tannehill does. Spears is a situational guy who's playing behind Derrick Henry. Uh, Wiley, you know, may start some in too tight, but he's very clearly um, behind Chig Aconquo. Um, Duncan looks like a, a third tackle. I, I, a lot of people I talk to like have him kicking to guard and Brunskill kicking to center in order to get Aaron Brewer, who's the weak link out of there. I don't foresee that happening. I would think Duncan's the third tackle. Um, and, and Dowell coming from UT Martin and being a seventh-round pick is very unlikely to, to start, uh, certainly at the beginning. So um, ideally this team would have had three starters with their first three picks, and uh, they come up short of that quarterback of the future i can understand i've i've talked a lot here and at paulkuharski.com where you should be a member 5.99 a month to steal at that price um i talked a lot about why uh, i think levis is is a tough pick you know i asked about his his completion percentage just a quick aside and vrabel said well you know they dropped 30 passes on him you, you take those away and his percentage goes from 65 to 70 in our eyes well if you then, uh, you know, ding him for the fact that he threw 25% of his passes behind the line of scrimmage, it goes way back down. So you can't just um, take away the bad stuff that you saw and and elevate his completion percentage. You have to uh, factor in the bad stuff that that uh, that hurts him and put his completion percentage back down. So. I mean, there are issues that I and a lot of people saw with, with Will Levis that, you know, he gets a clean slate now and we see what he does when he comes in. How many pre-draft Titans rumors came true? <clears throat> I'll give you a hint. It's zero. Zero. So all of this time, the talk radio spent on, on this, and, uh, and I spent some time knocking some of these down. Tannehill, trade. 
Didn't happen. Wasn't even any real talk of it during the draft that we heard. Henry trade, same thing. Buyer trade, same thing. Trade up for Stroud. Well, it looked like they wanted to trade up for Stroud. But the fact of the matter is this idea that they could somehow outsmart a team that had a pick in front of them is ridiculous. Once, once it was established that the Titans wanted to trade to three with Arizona, <clears throat> Arizona's under no obligation to keep that a secret. It's out. Now, everybody with a brain would compute that the Titans wanted Stroud at three. Houston knows that the Titans want to come to three. They changed their plan. And instead of taking a defender at two and looking to move up for Stroud later in the top 10, they take Stroud at two and make their move to come up. Turns out with Arizona to three to get Will Anderson. But they were going to take Anderson or a defender at two and try to come up later for Stroud. Find out the Titans are sniffing around at three. Think, hey, who are they coming up for? Stroud. Now, maybe the Titans let too much out about that, but it's probably an easy conclusion to make. They have a pick in front of the Titans. It's hard for the Titans to outsmart people from 11 coming up behind them. So uh, they, they maybe wanted to trade up for Stroud, but they did not trade up for Stroud. Another rumor that doesn't come true. They didn't trade for Trey Lance, which we heard. They didn't trade for Aaron Rodgers, which we heard. Uh, if they told uh, if they told Zay Flowers that he should get used to uh, Nashville, think about getting a place in Nashville. That was a stupid thing to say because they didn't draft Zay Flowers. I'm sure I'm missing some, but I hope you're getting the gist of it. None of the pre-draft rumors about the Titans came true. Did we learn anything from that? Probably not. Rand Carthon had a terrible quote. Let's hope the the audio works on this one. Rolling the dice, playing the board. That's what we're doing. Um, we're going to take the best available player in the, um, in the fifth round. You know, we, we hope that it's a receiver because we're going to continue to address our needs. And if, if the, we take a receiver in the fifth round, it's a player that we feel can contribute to our team. Like Coach said, it's, it's players that have come into this league that have performed at high levels in all rounds of the draft. So we don't look at it as a fifth-round guy that's not going to be able to come in here and contribute. Everybody that we bring here will have the opportunity to earn it on the grass. Did we get that? He's uh, rolling the dice, playing the board. Rolling the dice, playing the board. That, that's bad. That's just a bad thing to say. He, he was bad in the press conferences. He didn't have a presence that lent the, this feeling that, hey, like I'm up here representing the guys that I picked and I, I know what I'm doing in there. The failure to trade back to position himself for wide receivers was another clue of that. Look, drafting is not a science. It is an art. Uh, in some neighborhoods, People rolling dice probably think it's a science, and they also wind up broke. Um, Carthon needs to sell it as an art and tell us about himself as an artist and his brush strokes or his sculpting style or whatever. Apply it to whatever art form you want to compare it to. But rolling the dice makes it sound like it's a game of complete chance and i know i'm failing to connect it to playing the board 
but playing the board also makes it sound like there's a roulette wheel here con concept. If it goes badly, is he going to remind us that he was rolling the dice? Uh, we're going to remind him he said he was rolling the dice. Three months plus since Amy Adams Strunk hired him. Now, she loves her people, especially when they're new. This cannot resonate well with her. It should not resonate well with her. I don't know if she listens to this stuff or if it gets back to her or if Kenneth is listening. You got to talk to him about something like that. Rolling the dice, Rand. I signed you to a long contract and paid you good money. I, I need a lot better than dice rolling. A lot better. She's sitting there in the room, all smiles with him. She's complicit in this wide receiver failure. Nobody close to Amy Adams Strunk is telling her that. They all kowtow to ownership just like everywhere. Somebody needs to tell her. She needs to hear it from somewhere. I initially wrote in my, in my piece about the wide receiver nonsense that she needs to be angry. And then, you know, very quickly, people came at me and they were right. She can't be angry about it. She's part of it. She's sitting there while it's going on. She fired John Robinson. The last straw for her firing John Robinson was the A.J. Brown fiasco. And now they're all smiles while they're completely avoiding wide receivers. And they think they're going to outsmart everybody while they put Chris Moore and NWI on the field. They're not outsmarting anybody. Every defense in the league is ecstatic that they got to cover one guy who's lined up wide. It's a, it's a joke. Are you hashtagging in Rand we trust right now? Sure, hope not. He did poor in the press conferences with non-specific answers. He's a comp guy who won't give a comp. He's a uh, analytics guy who said very little about the role analytics played in any of this. I'm not asking him to share the house. You got to give some some small examples in defense. Or, or to, uh, you know, to defend your picks. I'm not asking for religious apologias here, but show some why, you know. Uh, give us a little bit of an explanation for what you've done. Uh, I, I just don't think he, he was good at it. Grades is the last thing I wanted to talk about here. And the Titans graded well from what uh, the, the feedback I've gotten. I haven't spent a lot of time looking at them. I did see Pro Football Focus gave four A's um, in their post-draft grades, which is a ridiculous practice, generally speaking. Uh, and I, I talked about this with the Will Levis thing at the end of the first round. This idea that Will Levis falling out of the first round was some huge news story is ridiculous because – Will Levis going in the first round is a predictive thing. And the predictive thing comes from NFL media and draft media. So NFL analytics, and it's a shame that NFL uh, ESPN analytics, which is a legitimate thing when they're working with legitimate numbers, but they're working with numbers from mock draft and stuff like that. So out of mock drafts and things like that, they said, you know, there's a point zero one chance that Will Levis didn't go in the first round. And then ESPN writes a big story about this. 
what a shock it was that Will Levis didn't go in the first round based on analytics. 0.01 chance he didn't go. Analytics of what? Analytics of the very, they're reporting on the media. So the media said he would go in the first round. And then when he doesn't go in the first round, the media said, this is a huge shock that he didn't do what we said he would do. That's not, I mean, so we create a story. The story doesn't happen. And then we report it as a big story. The story that we said would happen didn't happen. That's why I have such a big problem with the draft um, in, in general. And so when these grades come out after the draft, all they are is how did the teams match up to our predictions? So the Titans drafted well based on pro football focuses predictions. They liked Will Levis a lot. Right? Excuse me. They liked Skaronsky a lot. They liked Spears. They liked Wiley. They liked Duncan. They, they must have liked Colton Dow. But the Titans' picks lined up nicely with Pro Football Focus's rankings. If that's what you're looking for out of Titans' draft, if you want the Titans to have drafted well based off of everything you read ahead of the draft, then the Titans had a great draft. It says so right there. A. Now, I, I, they're not factoring in the fact that the Titans didn't get anybody at wide receiver who could change a game for them on opening day. They're not factoring in the fact that that Chris Moore or Nick Westbrook-Kino right now is going to start opposite Trey, uh, Traylon Burks. That's an F, that, that part. So that's big draft media for you. I appreciate you watching. I'll be back uh, later this week. Please uh, join and read paulkonarski.com. Um, lots to come about uh, about this draft class, about the shape of things. Up right now, uh, updated depth charts on, uh, on what this team looks like with these six new players slotted in. My thanks to Jaspers again for uh, their sponsorship. Please go check them out. And uh, before I see you again, I, I ask, as I always do, don't block the box and be sure to lock your locks.